This is a WBR podcast. Welcome to the Logi Pharma podcast, the show that takes you behind the scenes of the life sciences supply chain. I'm Megan. And I'm Lucas. In each episode, we will sit down with experts and thought leaders from the industry and beyond to bring you unrivaled insights. Exactly. Our guests will include supply chain executives, pharma CEOs, our very own industry experts from WBR and some recent graduates. Whether they have reached the pinnacle of their career or they're just starting out, our guests are shaping the future of the industry. So join us to uncover the stories behind the supply chain and make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lodger Farmer podcast, where Megan and I are speaking to M.A. Luth from yes, Gilead Sciences. Absolutely nailed that. Yeah, yeah, it is Gilead, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always think I'm going to get either the like, person's name wrong, how you pronounce it, or the organization, which is obviously a big no-no, <laughs> because it's just... That would be... I, do you know what? I'm, I'm fine to mispronounce the name. Really? I've been working in a... I've been working in a in however long now a year mm-hmm. i worry more about what a company can do to me <laughs> stop okay. that we won't uh um, won't dive deep into that one yeah um how are you Megan? how am i oh i'm i'm, I'm well thank you um well, yeah we're chatting post bank holiday which i mean maybe this is an unpopular opinion mm-hmm. but i love my i love the actual day itself did yep. absolutely nothing for anyone who's wondering um nothing that whole weekend mm-hmm. but you come back feeling more tired than you did yeah and then you have to do the same amount you like have the same amount to get through in four days Mm -hmm. rather than five yep i had what was it your three days of not having to wake up at like 6 30 or whatever not having an alarm basically (laughs) which lucas gets up at 6 30 um but doesn't like like you don't move like i get like i set an alarm for like this is so pernickety and boring but um like i just like i'm one of those weirdos that does just get up no, I do, I do that to an extent. But, but you no, I have, time, I have alarm at 6 and a safety alarm at 6.30 because 6.30, well, I don't even have to get up then, but 6.30 is like, okay, for me. Up. Do you want like, to mull up. around for a bit? Yeah, yeah, I can't do, wake up half an hour later, I have to be leaving. No, we're also very lucky that like we get the tube as well. A lot of our colleagues kind of commute in on the train yes. and yeah. um, have times to me like, yeah. do that. That is true. I have to get um, the Northern Line. Yeah, I don't know, a, a train sounds nicer, but not if it's rammed. But then equally, the tubes are always rammed, so it's underground and it's nasty. Yeah, but you know what? They're always going to be rammed. It's always going to be warm. Everyone's always going to be miserable on their commute. I'd rather have ones that come every two minutes. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. But yeah, yeah, that's it. That's my bank holiday. Nice. Did nothing. And I got it straight into speaking about the tube. As always. Yeah. Um, Anything else been going on work-wise? Work-wise, well, we've had this lovely success successful podcast that we're doing mm-hmm. um so much so that we've um been asked to dip our toe into other wbr portfolios in demand aren't we in demand i know it's not, we're gonna have to start busy. batting and back i think because yeah. we've got reports to do That's... Oh, we've got work who's gonna to do, do the reports <laughs> um maybe we need to get intros can you imagine can you imagine us with an intro Ooh, us being managers Bit of a oh segue my god! There. What's nice. what's Emma's um topic of um chat? Well, we speak to Emma about leadership and more specifically servant leadership, which I hadn't heard of. And at uni, I did a whole module on leadership. Um, so it was really wow. yeah, but like that was more in political leadership. This is like Act very like, different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actual leadership in yeah in work. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting to talk. It was about one it. of those. It, like, I 
genuinely I see we say this we're always very interested in whatever our guests are saying but I could particularly relate to that and yeah. like regardless if it was for pharma or not mm-hmm. I understood what she meant because we were also at the opposite side of our we're at the start of our career she's 20 years in she said mm-hmm. how her lessons are very similar to the ones that we will go through in the next couple of years yeah yeah because we have I'm sure I've had like bad managers in the few jobs mm-hmm. that I have had yeah but also good managers exactly so shout out to our producer adam yeah producer great manager man, great manager yeah. he gets also, a shout out producer in, and also our manager yeah he gets a shout out in the actual oh he does we've already he? spoken about yeah too, too much too much um yeah fast fast forward um 20 minutes and you hear us go he's great yeah he's, yeah which he is to be fair but um yes i think it was good because she told us about like her first sort of yeah. proper role how it was not for her basically mm-hmm. and she made um a big change which yeah. would have been tough when I assume she'd I, been like early 20s mm-hmm. I mean like as you said like we've all had previous roles where we've had managers who aren't necessarily supportive mm-hmm. but at this stage in your career it's not clear the path that you should be taking yeah to, to get out of that yeah like in because you need to go through it to go oh wait okay right that wasn't right mm-hmm. what should I have done yeah to stop that from happening which she had a clear route. She knew what she wanted. She realized that having a good working environment was just going to make, sh- like it was, that was key for her. It wasn't mm-hmm. just career progression. It was okay. Right. But where can I be comfortable? Where can I work at my best? Which yeah. I thought was such an important life lesson. Especially as like when you're young, I feel like your first proper job, yeah. you don't want to not fail, but you know, you don't, you don't want it to not go well. No, so. you don't. You just, yeah, you, you've got a lot of pressure. Like you've, you've yeah. gone through uni or you've gone through whatever path post-school. Mm-hmm. You get into that and you go, right, okay. I'm going to, like, regardless of what is thrown at me, but in hindsight, that's not. Yeah, definitely. I think when you're in one of those situations as well, with it's it being only your first good. job, I think yeah. it's, it can be um, easy to think you're the problem. Like, I'm not good enough or whatever for the, for this role. Well, I mean, yeah, not, you're the least senior person. Like, yeah. you go and you start. Like, yeah, you're so eager to impress or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or yeah, improve or be good at the job. So yeah, so knowing that as she did that it wasn't the right environment yeah. for her and making that change is so a, impressive. Yeah, very this good. This is a very serious intro for us. It is actually. I think it's. Uh, can you tell it's actually a topic that we can relate you can to? Get, look, yeah, look, we've been able to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've been led, and I might lead at some point in my life. I, I can. I, can, I have been led. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some I have been a sheep. Someday I may I may um, be a leader, but right now who knows? Yeah. Not today, not today. We've got time. Um, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I reckon. I reckon someday, great leaders here. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we speak to Emma. We are. <laughs> yeah, this is what you've got coming up for you after this episode. You'll know exactly what um, mm-hmm. what type of leader you want to be. I and if you that's... don't, you're the problem. That's what I'd say. <laughs> that's what Taylor Swift would say. <laughs> Does she? She says it's me. I'm the problem. Uh, she's got like 500 songs though. She's posted everything. Probably about 300. But yeah. I don't want to reveal myself on the about myself on the podcast. Have you not mentioned that you're a I haven't a mentioned Taylor Swift on Swifty, yeah. yeah, I haven't. Anyway, moving on. Um, okay, yeah. Back to the <laughs> right. episode. Season two, we'll get back into that <laughs> Season one. Season two, um, we'll have Taylor Swift herself on the podcast. Oh, the roundup, the roundup. <gasps> yeah. The episode, we'll do that. Oh my God, yeah. We yeah. should, yeah. People should, should send in questions. For us to answer at okay. the end of. Okay, we'll get get our friends to send, get the marketing guys to send Thanks, in questions. Thanks, yes, for sending your questions. Yeah. yeah, Jess doesn't know this yet, but we will ask you for questions. Um, But yeah, no, great episode. Really, mm-hmm. really just proud of being able to contribute to it, actually. Yeah. Like, very yeah. proud of it. I think it's a great interview, personally. Yeah, um, I mean. And I think listeners are going to really be able to take a lot from mm-hmm. it, regardless of industry. Couldn't agree more. Should we uh, leave it at that and oh, let them... crack on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy.
firstly, thank you very much, Emma, for joining us today. Me and Megan are very much looking forward to talking to you about leadership and more particular um, servant leadership. I don't think we'd really heard of it before. So, um, no. no, not for our initial conversation. So, we're very much looking forward to uh, speaking with you about that. Um, but before we sort of get into that, um, we'd like to learn a little bit about yourself, really. So, anything you'd like to tell us before we get into the, uh, the nitty gritty? <laughs> okay, no, no worries. So, Emmy Lute, I'm the executive director for ERP and corporate functions at Gilead. Um, I've been here for just going on; it'll be two years in in two weeks. And so I was, I was actually hired to basically kick off their, their transformation. And this was a move from Oracle to SAP. It was a huge deal here because we are long-term Oracle customers, but my background is really on both business and IT transformational programs. And so that was my remit. Uh, we just went live, uh, three weeks ago today on mm-hmm. the first release of it. So this is, um, I've been in this industry and in SAP in pharma for almost 20 years now. I can't believe that. That's crazy to me. <laughs> but it's been almost 20 years. And um, it's a tricky industry because obviously we are highly regulated. And so to be able to launch the first release within um, two years is is a huge deal. And it's a big accomplishment for the organization and looking forward basically to subsequent releases. The intent of the program is really around taking Gilead uh, next step forward in terms of uh, both uh, transparency within their end-to-end processes, as well as basically coming up to the technological level of our um, peers in industry. So we were a little bit behind on the tech side of it. We we invested more in the labs, R&D, which is, of course, what you should do in this industry, but we need to have technology and platforms that match what we're trying to do from a, from a, a strategic initiatives perspective. Wow. I mean, yeah. I would say, yeah, that's a huge achievement. Um, and yeah, 20 years in the industry, that's so impressive. Um, I think we're kind of both, we always ask about how, when you began your career, because we're kind of at that kind of stage at the start of ours, kind of, did you always know that this was kind of the route you were going to take or was there another path and there was a path change at some point? But yeah, just kind of keen to know if this was sure. kind of the dream. I think I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's, if it's rare or at all, but I never really had a master plan. So in five years, I want to be at this level with this kind of company. None of that really was part of my career journey. I just happened to have um, very, very good and supportive managers, which is why at this point, when we get into servant leadership, it really is about mentoring is fantastic. Sponsorship is everything. And that's why I am where I am today. Um, specific to this industry, though, when I did, um, my husband and I moved to California, I was working for Semiconductor. And if you know that business, it is quite, um, it's a difficult industry, mm-hmm. first and foremost. You know, you live and die by, in, in you know, inventory uh, sitting with you every end of the quarter. So you need to make sure that from a planning perspective, you're making what you can actually sell, because if you don't sell it, you're eating the inventory. And Usually, that leads to, to head cuts uh, across the board. And so it was a very challenging environment. Um, I wasn't particularly suited to it just because the people element was very difficult for me. I was constantly in, I need to let this person go. I need to let that person go. Oh, wow. And so I was getting a little bit, it was getting a little bit challenging. And I'm yeah. full transparency. I've shared this story elsewhere is I would have to sit in my car on Mondays to kind of psych myself up to walk into the office. 
And I realized that I work too many hours and spend too much time committed to the type of work that I do that it at least needs to be fun and fulfilling, which it was not. And randomly, this was in 2006, I fell up, um, uh, found a Forbes article on best places to work and hadn't heard of it before, but looked through the magazine and saw, you know, where are the companies that are in the Bay Area? So it was Adobe, NetApps, and mm-hmm. Genentech. Ah, and so I would just, I would just continuously apply there. So until something hit and the, what hit was Genentech was starting their transformational journey from a much smaller biotech um, uh, focused company to recognizing that they needed to scale up their technological platforms to get to the next level. And so I joined and I had been a senior manager at my previous role. I joined as a senior program manager. And I remember the final interview with who would become my boss, Jeff Clark, who I attribute, honestly, the vast majority of my steps up over the last 15 years to him. Um, he asked me, he's like, what, you're coming as a senior program manager, you were a senior manager, why do you want to come in as an individual contributor? And what I told him, because of like how difficult it was in semiconductor, I said, I don't think leadership management is for me. I think I know how to um, drive the program. I know how to deliver. The people aspect of it isn't where I want to go any longer. And what he said was, well, consider you're in a different environment. We are very supportive here from a leadership and management cohort perspective, and you just never know. So don't close the door quite yet. And so that stuck in my head. I was able to successfully deliver what he had brought me in to do, and within 13 months of Joining Genentech, I was in a senior manager role. And I think about that quite frequently because people do come to me and ask for advice and guidance and what are you looking to do and how did you get, you know, step through from a career path perspective. And I always say is it is the mentorship. It's someone who recognizes something different in you and is also willing to commit to helping you kind of figure out where your where your path should lead you. And mentorship has been great, I said, but that person who pulls you into the conversation, takes you to the meeting, pulls a chair chair from the periphery of a room to the big table, that's the person that actually really has a huge impact in your path going forward. And I've been fortunate, and I try to repay that level of kindness and support. Wow, I think that's such an important, yeah, important message for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Such a good story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Definitely. just in terms of like starting somewhere where it's very much not for you and um, yeah. yeah, making that step and realising it. I think, yeah, I think it'd be hard for me if I was in somewhere like that to make that step. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. why. But. It, was, it was tough, but I never I sort of didn't spend so much time thinking about it. I just knew that I wanted to work in a place where I felt I was able to do something that mattered with people that mm-hmm. were like minded. And I was just incredibly fortunate to land at Genentech. Yeah, yeah it shows you how important the, the actual the place that you work and kind of the people around you is. Absolutely. Yeah, makes such Absolutely. a vast difference. Yeah. So you sort of um, obviously yeah, mentioned there that not a great start to your career, perhaps in a stressful um, environment, but now you're at um, Gilead Sciences. What, what would you say is sort of the most enjoyable aspect of your role now? Does it sort of give you the freedom to be that mentor that you want to be? Um, it's it absolutely... It's always the people, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the basis for servant leadership. 
why I left Rocheford Gilead was because they were starting this big transformational project. But the one thing I hadn't really done in my career was build a team from scratch. So we were moving from Oracle to SAP, completely different skill set. And also what they were trying to do was push into the future in terms of uh, new ways of working. So much more agile delivery models, much more able to scale up depending on where we are from a commercial product perspective, but also be able to have clear visibility from a supply chain all the way from, you know, raw materials to the patient sitting there um, getting their treatment, have visibility to that. And what I was able to do was come in, um, kind of take, take a look at the landscape, take a look at the legacy folks, which I thought were going to be critical for the future. Yes, they didn't know SAP, but they did understand the business. They had the tribal knowledge, they had the trust, and be able to figure out who had the potential to grow into certain SAP roles. So it wasn't everybody because it is quite a different platform, but it was enough to help us build credibility before we even kicked off the program. As well, it was enough to help us then bring in additional SAP expertise into, into the team. And I think for, um, for the most part, my leadership team right now is very, very strong. And I attribute that to setting up the right type of organization, fitting it into how Gilead works, but also keeping in mind where we wanted to go from a way of working perspective. And then I don't get in the way of talented people. I, I give you the platform to run, and then I support you to make sure that you're able to, to push your piece of work forward. Not always easy. We've had some hiccups here, but on the balance, I think that it is appreciated when someone has faith and trust in you and allows you to really kind of build your your own path with the support needed to actually get to the finish line here. Absolutely. Yeah, you cannot underestimate how important your team is. And yeah, we're very fortunate with ourselves that we work as a team of three and it's all kind of about respect and having that faith mm-hmm. in each other, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, a hundred percent. And yeah, on that note, I think it'd be great to kind of hear about your early experiences of leadership. I think that our listeners would gain a lot from hearing some examples, how positive mm-hmm. and potentially tougher experiences you've had has made you, has led into you becoming a servant leader today. So if yeah. I look back at your early experiences from leadership, how, is there any standout approaches that you take forward with you in your, in your career right now? There's a, there's a couple things. So very, very early in my career, I was always someone who liked to do well. It was very important for me to have good grades, get into a good university, to sort of be that, that daughter that my, you know, my dad could be very, very proud of. And still to this day, as old as I am, it still is a little bit of making my dad proud. And so my very first job out of university, it was working in a, um, it was doing tech support in a customer service center. And I had at the time what I thought was a very, very supportive boss. She gave me opportunities to present and, you know, being 21, 22, it's a little bit daunting to present to much more senior people, but she gave me that opportunity. She gave me the feedback. She allowed me to sort of experiment, explore across the organization. Um, I will say that where it sort of, changed for me and what my perception of what good leadership looks like is that I was very grateful for everything that she did for me. I was super excited to stay within the company, but there was a role that actually came up and a a peer of hers had 
come to me, said, hey, I think this could be the, the great next step for you. And so I remember going into her office, talking about it and getting ready to hear like, this is great. I'm going to support this move. I know you'll be fantastic in it. What she said instead was, I can't afford to lose you. And if you move to this new team, there's going to be too big of a hole in the in my team. And so I was a little bit stunned. I'm not going to lie about that one. But I remember telling her, I said, well, I think I could do both. And this is how I think this could work. It could be you know, mutually beneficial, et cetera. And she still said no. And so I was very upset. I was very young. I, do, I don't yeah. I don't cry at work anymore, but I did cry then. We've all been so there. Yeah, yeah. I was so used to like sort of people seeing and saying, okay, I understand yeah. what you're trying to do. Let me help you get there. And I told her, I remember sitting there thinking, well, then I'm going to have to leave. And I was waiting for her to say, no, don't leave. Let's figure out how to make this work. And she just said, okay. And that was kind of my first, you know, you can have a positive reference group. You can have a negative. That was my first. I don't want to have a manager like that. And wherever my career goes, I don't want to be a manager like that. I want to understand that people's ambitions and motivation are their own. If I can help, I will. But I won't hold someone back from doing something they think is the next step for them just because of my own, you know, what is it going to do to me, to my team, to my organization? You just can't do that. And so that was my kind of jump off point. And from there, I can say I've probably had 15 managers over my career. And on the balance, probably just two or three that I perceived as not the type of leadership that leader or leadership style that I would want and that I would want to emulate. And so Mm -hmm. getting into the whole servant leadership uh, part of it was I was still an individual contributor, fantastic manager. And actually, she was the manager of my manager, but she always reached down into the um, organization to skip levels with individual contributors, ask you what you wanted to do, give you options and feedback and things like that. And she was the first person that I think really saw there's something there, but there's more that she could do. And she basically not just gave me the opportunities, but she also supported and gave feedback along the way. Because when you're young, maybe not understanding the ins and outs and stuff of a corporate environment, she was able to help me navigate through that. And so she was the start of my, this is the type of leader that I want to be, someone who's a champion for their team but also recognizes that every team has to improve, isn't afraid of getting feedback, isn't afraid of having tough conversations, and isn't afraid of helping you find your path forward if it's not exactly what's in the team that, you know, that I, that can be offered to you within the team that you're in currently. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Any kind of leaders have, especially – this because this has been my kind of first year out of grad out of um uni since graduating and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends wow. all have um yeah we've all kind of started our grad jobs and I think I live in a house with um three other girls and you can tell the the impact of all three all four of us based on yeah. how the, the leadership yeah. styles it's such mm-hmm. it is it just has such an impact in your day to day yeah oh, yeah it absolutely does I have um yeah two flatmates and a lot of conversations when you see you know, ask how your day was. So much of it's always, oh, manage this, manage that, yeah. whether it's good or mm-hmm. bad. It's, on, it's, um, it's always on the tip of your tongue, uh, no yeah. matter if it's positive or negative. It's always yeah. the kind of thing that we end up chatting about at lunch or whatever. As you progress, that doesn't really change. It really <laughs> okay. doesn't. It's still the same. 
it's still the same. You'll stay and work as hard as you can for a great manager. Mm-hmm. And if they're not Absolutely. great, you'll be constantly eyeing the door. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mm-hmm. change as your career progresses. Mm-hmm. No. I definitely think um, you learn just as much from bad Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's good. I think, yeah, your, maybe yeah. your experiences earlier on, um, definitely knowing what you didn't want to be like as a manager is important, mm-hmm. especially if that sticks with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. When I've seen examples of bad management or experienced it in a couple of jobs before or just seen it around, um, definitely sticks with you. <laughs> it's, those, it's, yeah. the, it's the negative experiences that you know not to. Yeah, you, that's absolutely yeah. not what you'll be going forward. It yeah. does just as yeah. much an impact. And equally, I think yeah. it makes yeah. you appreciate when you do get a good manager. Exactly. Um, yeah. How lucky you are, because you know how bad it could be. Yeah. We we can't we can't speak highly enough of ours though. Um, he's not on the oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> our producer yeah, no, Adam. He's, he's yeah. He's great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, he gets to hear these, right? So. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is he is our producer, but yeah, he 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 is genuinely great. He is. Yeah. Very lucky. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So, so perhaps getting into um, servant leadership in particular, I think. I don't know, me and Megan might be outliers here of not having heard it as a term like this before, but would you be able to sort of tell us the definition, if you like, as of some leadership? The way that I interpreted it, and it was a big thing at Genentech, it was really um, the path of a leader is having followers. So, you know, the whole joke, you know, what's a, what's a leader without followers, just a, a gal or a guy taking a walk. And so, mm-hmm. You want to be the type of person where people either are inspired or motivated or understand the clarity of your vision and the strategy and can kind of come up behind you and help drive it forward. And for me, the difference has been, especially as I've started, you know, I manage, I'm a manager of managers of managers. So when you're taking that career trajectory, it's about creating an environment where people feel like they can bring their whole self into the environment and they can do their very best work. It doesn't mean that you coddle. It doesn't mean that you don't give critical feedback. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't get directive if someone is really veering off path. But what it means is that you recognize the power of the team, but also the power of the individual, and you ensure that you really get to understand people's strengths and weaknesses and areas for for improvement and can support them as they pull, as they you know march forward in their in their careers. And what I found is that that type of leadership where you really know your team. I mean, we even do like you know kind of these little fun games like who has three girls and who you know has a boy and a girl. Just getting to know people outside of work so that you know what they're bringing to work that might impact their ability to deliver. And once you do that and they see that there's, you know, empathy and there's compassion for how people might, the things that they might need to deal with outside of work, it creates an environment where people feel safe enough and trusted enough to really do the very best work. But what you have to be mindful of is there is a certain team dynamic. And so when the team is looking at you and say, hey, maybe we have a weakness here, you don't cover it up. You don't, you know, hide from it. You address it as from a leadership perspective, and you hopefully can get beyond that for the individual or if it's maybe a sub-team, but you don't shy away from having the conversation. And that's where you build a lot of trust, a lot of credibility, and you get a team that's, they're there for each other. And I always tell my team, I said, I shouldn't be the biggest factor in us being successful. It's you. 
So if I can pull myself out of this situation, you guys should be able to run by yourself. You've got the trust, you've got the credibility, and you know that you have the support to basically move mountains if you needed to. Absolutely. It must be really tough kind of being at the top of that system where you're the manager of managers of managers. Is there a way, is it hard to be able to kind of have that connection with everyone in the team or if you've got a specific situation where you've applied servant leadership to show in, um, yeah, it'd be great to hear. It's it's funny that you ask that because I actually have um, a couple skip levels. I've been in Raleigh for the last three weeks for this hyper care phase. And so I have skip levels. And what I've noticed as my career has kind of moved forward is mm-hmm. that less and less do people tell me like the, the bad stuff that's happening. It's a very unfortunate, you know, part of leadership. Mm-hmm. But by the time you get to a certain level, I don't think you hear anything real anymore. And so the only way to get to the truth of the matter, to the heart of the matter, is to make sure that you have continuous visibility to the entire organization, but also that you're talking to everybody. I will say that it's not going to be, you know, everybody's not going to immediately come and tell you what's going on in the team, what their feelings are, things that are not working well. They tend to come to you with the good stuff. But if you create an environment where people feel safe, and that's really what it is, they feel safe enough to be vulnerable, to share the things that aren't going so well and not just polish it for the boss, that's where you really have something special. And I'll say because Raleigh is a is a fairly new site, almost half my team sits here, including contractors, that it was a FaceTime. So I come at least once a month for a week. I sit in the space in the cubes with the whole team. I make sure that I'm very visible. I make sure that we have a team event or lunch or something like that that's a little bit more casual and hopefully relaxes people a little bit more. And I'm not precious about the role that I hold relative to them. I'm not, you know, I I want to make sure that folks think that I'm accessible to them so I don't create a barrier, or at least I try not to. Um, I will tell you that it does take time and it requires some face time as well for people to get, okay, I can come to her with this, or I can come to her with this recommendation or this issue that's happening on the team that maybe my manager isn't handling the way I think should be handled. And that's been a, a huge part of just building up the culture at this site for sure, because it's a new site. It's only a little over two years old, as well as making sure that I keep that connect connection when I'm thousands of miles away since I'm based in California. Definitely. I mean, I was guilty of that when um, our manager started in February of just kind of going into catch ups with just the good things. It's kind of taken a few months for me to go in and start going now. Okay, so these are the things that we might need to kind of be aware of and work on a bit Mm -hmm. more this week. It is is a really nice feeling to be able to go with the kind of issues and go in with those first before going, oh, I've done this well, I've done this well, and I've done this well. Mm -hmm. It's definitely been a, it's taken time, but you're right. It's putting in the time and effort to kind of build that 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 collaborative feel absolutely yeah it matters going into our catch-ups like i sort of say i'm yeah struggling a bit with this or i've done this piece of work i'm not sure it's that good can you take a look Mm -hmm. um definitely feels a lot better than sending something over and sort of worrying yeah (laughs) how is it it being received and you know did i do it right did i meet expectations that just create the the environment where people feel that they can be vulnerable enough vulnerable enough to try something new without, yeah. you know, yeah. 
we're also as a team really bad at taking compliments as well so we'll go in anything we've done we'll go oh this might be really bad but um so that's <laughs> one thing that we do need to work on yeah even though Adam that one. is great take care I would say take care with that one because I actually have that as a natural tendency. I tend oh, really? to look at the focus on the areas where I need improvement. And for a very long time, it was actually hard for me to learn, sort of listen to positive feedback because I'm always in my head thinking, well, I can do everything better. So let's focus yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you tend to kind of um, that mindset can penetrate a team and you don't want that. You want people to recognize their strengths and weaknesses, but also recognize that they're capable of making change um, without, you know, making it seem fearful or fraught with danger where let's not even experiment or try because if I fail, it's going to be this massive deal that I won't ever be able to overcome. And that for me has taken quite a bit of time um, to just sort of let go of the need to constantly just focus on the things that you don't do well. So now I'm able to more to enjoy the successes while along, you know, working on on improvements wherever I feel I I need it or where I've gotten feedback that I need it. I will definitely take that advice Mm -hmm. on board next time I go. This is really horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard not to just receive feedback. It might be a very British thing as well. Mm. You know what? I think that there is a cultural component to that. I do, because I have a team in Stockley Park and a team in Cork, Ireland, and it's a different dynamic in terms of what they bring to me. You know, I think the American sort of more boisterous uh, number one is, is can be, you know, a very different thing when you have someone who's Irish who's like, well, these are the things where I think I have deficiencies in that thing. That thing that you're telling me I'm fantastic at, okay, let's talk about that later. Let's not talk about it at all. So, yeah, there's a cultural component for sure. Have you um, ever, I don't know why you would, because it's a great approach to leadership, but have you ever had sort of trouble implementing that culture? I know you said at the start you're at now, sort of taking a bit of time, but have you ever had sort of colleagues where they don't really think that's the right approach? I don't know why you would, because I think it's such a great approach for everyone involved. But I just wondered. Yeah, Yeah, what I'll say is Gilead right now when I joined, especially for the folks that were coming from um, Oracle ERP, there's a lot of hesitancy to this new way of working. It was a lot more transparent and collaborative, and I share a lot of information just because senior people need to be trusted with critical information. That's how you, you know, you learn and you grow. And I believe the culture of the previous ERP head wasn't quite like that. The boss made all the decisions. You were informed. You weren't part of the discussion. And so when I joined, I don't think that people believed that I was saying as much as I was saying, I was sharing as much information. I don't think that that was, I I don't want to say trusted, but There was a hesitancy to really, you know, say, oh, wait, okay, are we doing things differently now? Okay, let me just sit in this and get to understand it, and maybe I can thrive in such an environment. There was a lot of folks that were, not a lot, let's just say probably seven or eight, that were very hesitant to the new way of working. And the way I approach it is you show you don't tell. You show that you're open, you're transparent, you share honest information, you share honest feedback, you you share your own your own you know failings and the things that you're working on because it creates an environment where people are, okay, if this is how the new world will look like, I think I can get on board. 
And so that's been fairly consistent because I've also, you know, I've managed a number of teams within the same organization. And I think that um, that approach helps when people are hesitant to even consider a different way of working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's always hard to change, isn't it? But definitely the, uh, the actions speak louder than words. You can kind of say whatever you want, but if you don't put it in practice. Yeah. So, and uh, it's even yeah. if you didn't, you didn't like the old way of working. You felt mm-hmm. stymied by it or you didn't. It's sometimes kind of like the devil you know. So even though yeah. you weren't happy in the old way of working, you weren't sure about you either. So mm-hmm. meet people where they live, show them, you know, how you, you behave, how you work, how you show up to the work, and not just tell them that this is the type of leader I am. So show mm-hmm. them. It also just seems that something that would have such an impact on people with their careers and kind of knowing their career progression rather than traditional leadership might have. Can it help yeah, give you the tools absolutely. to kind of move forward? Um, I think that me and Lucas could uh, um, um, could sit and chat with you about this for a long time, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been just so interesting. But we'll move on to kind of the last question that we always ask yeah. everyone about if you have any industry myths that you would like to kind of debunk while we've got you here. We've had a good few come on and kind of just, yeah, take away some kind of traditional views of the industry. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we've already kind of done that throughout the episode. But if you had any other other kind of, that's our teams popping up, popping off there. But if you have any more kind of industry myths you'd like to debunk, yeah, please be our guest. I mean, I don't know if this is a, a myth. I think that in our industry, because it is, you know, science first, mm. there tends to be a myth that if you're not in the labs, you're not really contributing as much as mm-hmm. the scientists are. And while I, I'll say the, the drug discoverers are just, you know, they're amazing. And it's such an honor to be around folks that are so smart that they're able to see different ways of, of helping patients lead better lives. But I do think that within this industry, every role, whether it's in finance or IT or you're an admin somewhere, everybody plays a role in ensuring that we get our medicines as quickly as possible, as safe as possible to patients. And so just because you're not in the lab doesn't mean that you can't have an enormous impact in this industry. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I, this is why I won't ever work in another industry for sure. Um, but it's something that I, I share with my team. It's, um, I think it's motivating. It's inspiring. Um, I share it with them and I show them the direct tie between the work they're doing in front of them and how it has a, a long-term impact in our, you know, our organizational strategies. Amazing. This, yeah, that's so important to touch on. Yeah, there's. I think that's one of the key takeaways that I've had throughout mm-hmm. filming this series is that it's not just one role. It's not. It, there's so many out there and so many things that need to happen to keep the keep the wheel spinning. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Emma. You've been an amazing guest and we've loved talking with you. Um, Yeah, this is going to be great. I think our listeners are going to absolutely love hearing your insights. It's been absolutely great. Thanks, guys. Please take care. You too. Have a lovely day. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Logi Pharma podcast. If you'd like to get involved with any sponsorship opportunities, Lucas, what can our listeners do? Well, Megan, if you'd like to get involved, anyone listening, you can email podcast at lodgerpharma.co.uk and one of us will get in touch. Yeah, we've got various sponsorship opportunities available. So we look forward to hearing from you.